sometimes you gotta think like a lady. 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 And act like a boss. Welcome to Think Like a Lady. You can follow us on Twitter at thinklikealady underscore or on Facebook at thinklikealady podcast, as well as on Instagram at thinklikealady underscore podcast. We're available to listen to on all the major podcasting platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or just ask Amazon Alexa. Welcome back to Think Like a Lady. This is a froze. And this is Dua. Last time we talked about when a Muslim woman has children out of wedlock, that makes social and mental implications that that could have. This time we're going to talk about the Lolita effect. So, Dua, do you know what the Lolita effect is? Um, a froze. Why don't you tell me? <laughs> <laughs> so, there was a book called Lolita published by Vladimir Nabokov. You can read the book if you want to. I won't go into it. Yeah, it's long. It's long. And um, (laughs) the Lolita effect kind of stems from that story that was published like several decades ago. This is like a post-World War II book, I think. The Lolita effect is the sexualization of young girls and projecting girls as sex objects before they have even reached puberty and are sexualized beings. It is perpetuated by the media. There's a movie out recently that that we feel is kind of an embodiment of the Lolita effect. Do you want to talk about that? Okay, so there was that controversial me- movie that came out on Netflix um, recently. It was like it what just came out like a month ago or something. Mm-hmm. It's called Cuties. Um, it's about like this 11 year old girl who's like I think Somalian descent, and she's Muslim, and her parents, her family is Muslim, and basically she like. Uh, joins this like dance i don't know kind of she rebels against her family to like be a part of this kind of like dance crew or something and they end up being a part of you know some you know they're practicing and they have this like i don't know show or whatever that they end up doing and it's very it's pretty pretty controversial it's funny because it was so controversial that it was like all over social media people from around the world were complaining about how it was sexualizing young women but there's there's the argument of it sexualizing young women but then there's also also the argument about how it gives muslims a bad kind of rep for the fact that the muslim narrative for any movie that Muslims are put into, especially Muslim women, the narrative is always that they're being oppressed and they need to break free and, and you know, they need to break free by taking off the hijab and leaving Islam and all of this stuff. And, and this is another movie that does that. You know, she's a Muslim girl who kind of rebels against the religion and her parents in order to be a part of this dance competition or something. Anyway, it was interesting because so many people, it was globally, you know, talked about in a negative way and a lot of celebrities went as far to even be like i'm canceling my netflix account like this is crazy i don't support this and i i don't know how netflix has even had the audacity to publish this on their platform you know regardless of all of these outcries they're sticking to their guns they're not going anywhere they they're refusing to to say like okay maybe this was a little too much like they're just leaving it they're refusing to pull it. They're refusing to ban it. Even the director has come out and made like audacious statements of, oh, this is to, you know, empower women. This is women empowerment and blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, this isn't about women. This is about little girls. These are 11, 12 year old girls. And if you haven't seen it, you can even find just like people who have kind of clipped out like 
the parts that are just so crazy um and they've posted it on like twitter or facebook or whatever and it's basically scenes of these girls kind of practicing their routine and it's it's insane it's like they're humping the floor it's like a zoom up of their vaginas it's like you know them touching themselves it's like crazy and like it's these 11 year old girls that are giving like very sexualized i don't know like looks as well like it's like the entire it's like straight up like watching like child strippers that's that's like the feeling i got watching these scenes and then and that was just them practicing i mean when they actually do the competition they're in like sleazy outfits as well um which is crazy it was pretty it was pretty intense right i mean i never saw the movie but i saw some of the clips that you sent me i was mortified because i had never seen anything like that on such a large platform yeah like i feel like you would find stuff like that on some back end like website if you're like a pedophile or something yeah exactly like the dark net or something Mm -hmm. it's interesting that you bring this up because i have two points to make here one is the director she i think she's a french director and she basically said that i made this film to bring awareness to the issue of like this is what happens to young girls and stuff i was like you didn't oh whatever what and i was like so you sexualized young girls to bring awareness that young girls are being sexualized like that was not the avenue to take but you made a really good point because remember when you saw it then you said to me you're like okay not only is this crazy that they're actually doing this in the movie but the fact that like the director and the crew members and the cast was there filming these girls doing it and like directing them and like telling them like no you need to look more sexy you know what i mean like just that alone is crazy like how how are the parents okay with it is my thing i have no idea I, I don't know. Because here's the thing. I mean, like, um, you know, we know the world is a lot more vulnerable for girls as it is. But let's say this is like a young boy. I still wouldn't want this a film about that either. You know what I mean? Like, is it this isn't about girls or boys because a lot of pedophiles out there, they're so jacked up in the head that their form of fetish is just children. That's what they want. It's funny because uh, when the mm-hmm. director said this, that point was to bring awareness to this. Mm-hmm. Now you're just in a feed forward loop because you're doing the very thing that you're trying to stop. Oh, she's not trying to stop anything. I don't believe that for a second. Trying to start. Yeah. St- if you cared about these issues, instead of making a movie that actually propels it and like catapults it, what you would have done is you would have made a documentary discussing it. That's what you would have done if you cared. You don't think pedophiles... I'm not going to watch this film. Oh, and they're, they're going to love it. Yeah, this they're going to love it. They're going to love every second of it. These girls are like, it's not even that like this is a 11 year old that's being timid or something. No, this is an 11 year old that is like flaunting mm-hmm. her shit, dude. I mean, you saw it. They're touching themselves like in a very sexual way, like straight up. I mean, mm-hmm. I can, the only thing I can compare it to is like stri- strippers. Like they're dancing like straight up strippers. That's, that's how they're dancing. I just view this film as the gateway of normal, normalizing this, in my opinion. In a way, before it was like being subtly normalized. Yeah. But now it's like, now you're brazenly normalizing yeah. it. It's, it's like that similar um, paradigm with um, like when Trump got elected. It's not that people just started being racist. When he got elected, it gave people the permission to be openly racist. You yeah. know what I mean? So that's yeah. what this film will do. It will give people the permission to be openly pedophilic. Is that a word? I'm not sure. I don't but I don't know. The one thing that I do like about the outrage is that this has ignored political lines. It has ignored 
whatever spectrum you're on, whether you're conservative or progressive, it didn't matter. Like everyone across the board was outraged by this. A couple years ago, it came kind of surfaced this concept of being a pedophile is something you can like, it's something you shouldn't be ashamed of. Did you hear about that? That was like something that was kind of like, it was like they a, made it somehow comparable to like being gay or something yeah it was like it's like kind of like um you can be attracted to children or something and that's okay as long as you're not actually doing something it's it's kind of like that concept of like you can be an alcoholic at heart um you know it's like you like alcohol you want to drink alcohol but you know you're not drinking alcohol or no, something no. i i no, at that point i think it's definitely some mental instability because remember actually we had this conversation yesterday for our listeners out there we're two women in our late 20s and early 30s so and we were discussing when we were like teenagers and 16 we found boys in our age range to be attractive right Mm-hmm. And then I remember when I was like 18, I was thinking, why? Like, ew, like someone 30 and above is so like old and so unattractive and is like a grandpa, you know? Right. And now that right. I'm older and I look back on how I used to think when I was 16 or 18, I'm just like, ew, why did I ever like those little tween boys? They were so gross. <laughs> like sitting there eating glue type of thing is like the Im- imagery that pops up in my head. Mm-hmm. And now that I'm older, I envision myself like, okay, that's my type, like, you know, a rugged man that's older. Basically, the argument is, is like, when you age, your taste in the opposite gender ages with you. I'm Now that I'm older, I'm going to like people in my age range. It's weird how in some people that's not the case. It just, it, th- their taste doesn't age with them. Or maybe, it, maybe, I don't know, because I'm not a psychologist. These are just some observations that I have is that perhaps it's not the fact that it ages with them. It's something that's inherently embedded within their brains that I'm not understanding. Funny that you say that you're not a psychologist because actually I have a degree in criminal psychology. (laughs) You're the perfect person. So I'll tell you my opinion on this Mm -hmm. um, based on the things that I've studied and the things that I know. They've linked this. I mean, it could be a plethora of different things. A lot of the times when you have adults who are doing these kinds of things to young children, um, it can be that they were molested or abused as a child themselves. Um, Generally, it's something, it's like a feeling of having your power stripped away from you. As an adult themselves, they then want to regain that power. So I'm not 100% Mm -hmm. convinced that that this person is actually sexually attracted to the to the child all the time. Does that make any sense? Yeah, it's something that could be possible. Are you saying they're attracted to power? Is exactly. It's more okay. of like a control power thing. Because think about it. If you're a grown man and you're taking, a, you know, you've got a young child with you, this child isn't able to defend themselves. They're not able. There's literally nothing that they can do. They're completely powerless. I mean, even a grown woman would have more power and physical strength than a young child. So it's, and I'm not saying that this is always the case, but uh, on many occasions, it, it, it boils down to some sort of, yeah, some sort of mental instability. It could have been caused from issues in their own childhood. It could have been caused from something that's lacking psychologically. Generally, uh, the things that are lacking, you would, you know, love 
right, can cause this, like a lack of love in your childhood can cause these kinds of things, abuse, um, whether that's physical or sexual. And then additionally, yeah, like a desire for power. Um, A lot of the times when you've got kids who are dealing with, like I said, they're abused themselves, or they see their parents that like maybe their mother, um, you know, their boyfriend is, is beating up mom or something like that. And they witness this, they end up developing this fiend for the ability to control something they were never able to control before, if that makes any sense. That's precisely why they're called predators, because they see children as their prey. Right, exactly. If you know what the National Sex Offender Registry is, which I hope most people do, like, for example, if you're about to move into a particular neighborhood, you can type in the address of your new home and see who lives on your street. You know, they're registered sex offenders, so they're on Mm -hmm. the registry. I remember when I was a kid, I just got curious and my mom was talking about, you know, don't when I was a kid, I couldn't understand why she didn't want me to be out after 8 p.m. She was like, do you even know who your neighbors are and all this stuff? And then my brother told me he was like, uh, you know, he told me about the National Sex Offender Registry and, and I got curious. So I looked it up. I typed in our address and I was like, holy shit. I live near seven registered sex offenders. And I lived in a middle-class neighborhood. That's crazy. I mean, actually, that's really interesting. I mean, I've never done that before. And I bet most people haven't. Yeah, I bet most people haven't. And, okay, it gets even crazier because I guess as I talk about this, it will become more apparent to the listener of how rampant this problem is. I remember I was watching this video clip someone had sent me about Blake Lively. I think that's her name. She's an actress. She, she was giving a speech, and there was this screen behind her. It was a map yeah. of the world, right? And on the map of the world, there were these green, bright neon dots. And then, you know, they would flare up. They would get really, really bright green, or they will dull out in several spots all over the world map. And she said, do you know what that is behind me? That is people viewing child porn right now. And that is the traffic on child pornography websites all over the world. At that one moment in time when she was giving that speech, it was like over like 4 million. That in that one moment in time, there were 4 million people at a minimum watching child pornography. But remember, I told you one of the conversations that I had with my ex-husband was that he had mentioned, he was like, you know, I mean, there's all these, I guess, agendas, you know, being pushed like, you know, politically. And something that he said to me was like, I think that the next kind of agenda is pedophilia and it's going to be slowly introduced into society because you know when you slowly introduce something it's it's much easier to for the people to slowly start accepting it it's the same thing with shaitan remember it's like when he wants something he doesn't do it quickly he does it very very slowly getting adam and hawa to to eat the apple from the tree it wasn't something that he was able to accomplish overnight it was something that he took his time you know slowly slowly um you know bringing them close or bringing them closer, you know, oh, take a look at this, you know, basically like whispering the waswasa, right? Whispering to them constantly over the course of many, many, who knows how long, could right. could have been decades or, you know, millions of years, we don't even know, right? And, and then finally, there was the acceptance of it. And then, of course, the sin was committed. So it's the same mm. concept with anything that takes place, right? So l- let's kind of take a look at what the social implications are from like a national or even a global scale if that agenda of pedophilia is being pushed through things like this, right? This movie. I mean, the fact that Netflix, the biggest film distribution platform, was silent on this matter. It, it didn't come forward. I didn't read anything about it com- coming forward, did you? Netflix didn't really say anything. But it's funny because, you know, we're talking about the Lolita effect, right? 
the Lolita effect means it is perpetuated by the media. The media perpetuates the sexualization of young girls and projecting them as sex objects, right? So this film is just a very brazen example of that. Mm-hmm. So it's easy to be outraged about this film. What's less uh-huh. easier to be outraged is when it's not as brazen. So I'll give you some stats. Um, there was this study, right? Uh, it was conducted by a scientist named Amy Slater. It's called Little Girls in a Grown-Up World, Exposure to Sexualized Media, Internalization of sexual, Sexualization Images and Body Image in 6- to 9-year-old girls, right? So what they did was basically they took a sample of 300 girls ages 6 to 9 to evaluate them on a few metrics, right? They evaluated them on uh, exposure to sexualized media, so going back to the Lolita effect, preference for sexualized clothing, um, body mm-hmm. image, so in that they also evaluated body dissatisfaction and body self-esteem. They came up with a sexualized rating based on how the way these girls answered and how they pursu- how they perceived certain um, publications and uh, television shows and magazines. Basically, the scale was from zero to two. Zero of something not being uh, them not seeing something sexual at all, and two being something very sexual. And one is like I guess in the middle. In this cohort of three hundred girls from ages six to nine. I'm just looking at some of the examples here. They evaluated the TV show The Simpsons, and that got an average sexualization rating of zero. However, um, Barbie, Barbie doll, like Malibu Barbie, got a sexualization Mm -hmm. rating of two. So 300 girls evaluated Barbie to be more sexual than The Simpsons. Here's what's funny about that. The Simpsons is meant for adults. Barbie's meant for a little girl. Yeah, and they have a lot of for anyone who who watches The Simpsons. Like I watched, I grew up watching The Simpsons, and I remember like a lot of the jokes will go over your head, like you don't understand any of them. But then as you get older, right, you start to understand a lot of these. Like a lot of the jokes are like very sexual. But it, maybe it's because they're young; they don't understand the jokes. But it would be interesting that they would find Barbie more sexual. Why? Why would they find that more sexual? Because the way she's right. dressed or something. But there are scenes in The Simpsons like where like marge is like you know uh you know like to get a boob yeah exactly and like you know get me there was even an episode where like homer is like um he's like about to cheat on marge with like some girl like you know so it's like there are all of these things that are like not appropriate for right but you know it gets way worse because that shows you how much sexualization is for things that were meant for little little kids right so here are some things that received a sexual sexualization rating of two from the the cohort of 300 girls, right? Barbie magazine, Disney girl, Mm. that received a two. Um, Girlfriend, I don't know what that is. Is that a TV show? I think it's a magazine. I'm not sure. TV hits, I think received a two. Cosmo magazine received a two. So these things that are meant for, you know, these tween girls and like little girls are receiving twos, which is like the highest on the scale. Things like Friends, the show Friends, received a one. Your point is, is that, okay, these things that are actually supposed to be for adults, and if it did have sexual content in it, it wouldn't matter because it's not meant for children. Um, You're saying that those are reporting as a zero or a one, but then these other things that are specifically created for young girls to be looking at and watching and playing with and reading, those things have 
for them to be saying like, yeah, I think it has a lot of, you know, sexually explicit content or something, right? That's not how it should be. You've put it into words correctly. It's appalling to me that these girls are recognizing things that are meant for little girls to be very sexual. And I think to myself, maybe if I was a parent in the 90s, would I have known better to not buy my little girl a Barbie doll? Or, you know, let her read Barbie mm-hmm. magazine? You wouldn't think that, right? But you had no idea what a mental effect that had on your little girl. I think everything is worse. I think that when we were kids, man, like, okay, when I was 11, 12 years old, like, it's like the type of clothing yeah. I wore was like loose, normal clothing, like normal clothing. It's like my, the things I was interested in was like stickers or like coloring, you know, like stuff like that. Right. But then it's like, you see 11, 12 year olds nowadays, they're like on Instagram, they're like wearing stuff that is so unbelievably tight, like, like they're grown women. They've got like a full face of makeup on. Like I disagree that our generation experienced anything close to what these newer generations are going through. And and I, I can't even imagine how it's impacting them on a psychological mm-hmm. level and how that is directly impacting society for the future. Let's actually get to that. So, you know, according to um, a scientist, her name is Dr. Christine R. Starr. She works for the Internal Journal of Behavioral Development, and she conducted a study where she investigated the relationship of self-sexualization and self-objectification, weight concerns, self-efficacy, and academic outcomes and career aspirations among pre-adolescent girls, right? So this study had 89 participants from ages 6 to 9, and parental reports were Mm -hmm. also obtained. And about two-thirds of the girls showed signs of self-sexualization by choosing a sexualized doll over a non-sexualized doll as who they preferred to look like or who they thought they currently looked like. And girls who self-sexualized reported higher self-objectification and weight concerns than girls who did not self-sexualize. Also, self-sexualization was unrelated to social, emotional, and academic self-efficacy and to girls' career confidence and interest. However, parents of girls who self-sexualized reported their girls had lower academic performance and enjoyed school less compared to girls who did not self-sexualize. Additionally, parents of girls who self-sexualized had lower academic expectations for their daughters. So it is possible that in pre-adolescent self-sexualization affects girls' bodies' cognitions and parental expectations without yet even affecting self-efficacy of academic goals. Now, let's talk about what self-efficacy is. It's that pivotal point of, um, let's say you want to go to the gym, right? Having the motivation to go to the gym and then actually going to the gym are two different things. You know, there have been several mornings where I woke up and I was like, I'm going to go to the gym today. But the motivation wasn't enough. I still didn't make it to the gym. Self-efficacy is that pivotal point where you're on the cusp of motivation and actually going to the gym. Where, you know, the thought of going manifests into action. So what they say when it comes to self-efficacy is that there's a point of when children want to actually learn Mm -hmm, and it mm -hmm. manifests in them actually achieving their academic goals. It's that inflection point in motivation, if that makes sense. Self-efficacy for academic goals develops at a certain age. And so what is sad about this study is that what they're saying is 
they became self-sexualized before they even developed academic self-efficacy. At the end of the day, our future is in our children, right? So if you've got this new generation of kids being raised to have a lack of these qualities or even just a, you know, their focus is not in the right place. They think that priorities in life revolve around Instagram and 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 how you can show your you know, how you can get more followers and and through that they're they end up sexualizing themselves, isn't it? Because a lot of the times, yeah, it's it's an easy way to get more people liking your picture if you've got skin showing or something, right? Or if you've put on a bunch of makeup and you're giving like a pouty face. I don't know, right? So it's like their priorities are like in the wrong place. And and it's not that I'm saying that for everyone. Obviously there are plenty of kids, you know, Alhamdulillah, there are plenty of kids who understand like that these things are just a waste of their time and all of these things. And I, I'm not against social media. I think that social media can be utilized in some really great ways. I think social media can be utilized for news, for education, for so many things, for movements, for humanitarian matters. Absolutely. But I think social media is definitely utilized as well for, you know, sexualizing young kids also at a very young age. And it's unfortunate. And it's it's something I think a community as a whole um, not just from a societal perspective, but also from a religious mm-hmm. perspective, we do need to take measures and and we can't change the world. I mean, it's not, you know, if one person comes out and says, you know, okay, I, I disagree with that. That's not going to change anything. I mean, a perfect example is this Netflix movie. You had, you know, hundreds of thousands of people complaining, right? There was a petition that came out with like thousands of, of signatures on it and Netflix did nothing. But what you can do is you can influence what your child is watching, what your child is doing, what your child is thinking, what you know, how they're viewing themselves in the eyes of society, how they're viewing themselves to themselves. And, and you can directly impact that to give them that empowerment. And if you you embed that into them in the house and in, into them at a young age, they're going to have the ability to carry that with them into, you know, their teenage years and and it, well into adulthood. And then they can teach it to their own children. There's there's two things that kind of perpetuate the Lolita effect, in my opinion. One of them is the people who proactively participate in it. And then the people who just stay on the sidelines and allow it to happen. If you take just the bystander effect out, you've probably reduced the problem by 60%. And this term, the Lolita effect, is so synonymous that people have brazenly used it and smeared it in your face and still no one did anything about it. So I'll give you an example. The um, dead pedophile Jeffrey Epstein, he was a billionaire and no one understood why where this guy made his money. He was basically a um, an elitist pimp. He lured and groomed young underage girls and he, I guess, rented them out to famous people and charged them thousands and millions of, of dollars. You know, people like... Prince Andrew. There are a lot of people that were involved that denied it, like including presidents, including you know political figures, including actors. Um, include I mean people all over the world were involved. Right, mind you, this was an international operation. So yeah. Anyways, and guess what his airplane was called? That he flew these people he was doing supposed business with onto his uh, island in the U.S. Virgin Islands, where he ran the centricity of his sex trafficking ring. Guess what that plane was called? The Lolita Express. 
That's crazy. And no one said anything. Yeah, but I mean, come on. It's like you think that pe- uh, not a lot of people know these things. But it's such a famous... Why would you name a plane that? I'm going to be honest with you. I feel like a lot of people that do like things that are not appropriate and not not only morally, but also ethically incorrect um, on all levels, on a, you know, on a religious level, on a, on a political level, on any level, on a humanitarian level, on any level, anyone who does things that are wrong, it's like they right. do it right in your face. You know what I'm saying? Like it's they do it in your face. Yeah, yeah, they plaster it all over, and it's like the signs are so rampant. But it's like because the signs are so obvious, you ignore them. You know what I mean? And it's it's just so crazy because um, you we, we we think about these things where the crime is being done brazenly in front of your face, and people just let it slide. And I feel like one of the reasons why this guy got away for, yeah. for so long is because he's not a household name. You had never heard of him. He was only known within wealthy circles. He's not like, you know, uh, the way we know Michael Jackson is a household right. name. We wouldn't know the, you know, the producers behind Michael Jackson. We don't know who they are, but they're probably very well known mm-hmm. within their elitist wealthy circle. Uh, going back to the mm-hmm. argument of the amount of people who kind of just let it happen. Not even counting the people who participated in it. He kept a black book of all the people that he was doing business with. And what was that business? giving these handing these girls out for you know money you know he kept receipts just to see how much money he made and then he also had flight logs of who was on the plane who was on the lolita express that he took to the u.s virgin islands so they they can freely do these things but you know what's funny is that when he because he 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 committed suicide in jail he was in the process of like a trial and then he just committed suicide because obviously he couldn't handle, you know, the the, the testimonies and, the and everything that was coming up. So he killed himself. And it's funny because almost immediately after that, it was like the whole thing disappeared. It was like the whole problem went away. These celebrities who were involved in this, none of them got none of them, there were no consequences for any of them. I mean, it wasn't just him, right? It's like, okay, he was the facilitator, but all of these political figures, celebrities, all this, that, and the other, all of those people who were also involved in having sex with the underage girls, they should have also been held accountable for their actions, but they never were. And you know what, what else is funny is like, Donald Trump has been accused of having done yeah, business with him. that's not surprising. Ha- having rented out a, a girl or whatever. That's not surprising because, you know, you know who's anonymous, though? Hmm. It's like a group of people. They go by anonymous Mm -hmm. and they like leak information. Mm -hmm. So what anonymous did, you know, the media would question, what does Russia have on Donald Trump? And anonymous leaked the information Russia has on Donald Trump is that he was doing business with Jeffrey Epstein because he rented out an underage girl. And that never became mainstream news. And I wonder why that is. They released court documents like I read them and I was like, wow, this isn't. No one wants to talk about this. I don't get it. And it's weird because this is like a sleeping giant story. It did, this would make, you know, media outlets so much money. But that makes you wonder how how big is this web? You know what I mean? Obviously, the media is controlled by, I mean, the media and the politicians are all in bed together. And that's not just in the United States. That's in every country, in every corner of the world. But going back to, you know, the Lolita effect, in an Islamic context, it's like, we already know this is wrong. You don't need to be Muslim for you to make this conclusion. You don't, you can be atheist, right? And if you don't reach this conclusion, then you're an idiot that this is all wrong. Here in a Muslim society like Pakistan, where it tops the charts for the highest porn-related searches in the Google search Mm -hmm. engine, Mm -hmm. guess what was one of the keywords? being put into the search engine, child porn. 
Yeah, it's really, really depressing. It makes you think, because going back to the Lolita effect, it's like you kind of somehow end up putting the blame on the victim. Why did you choose to be sexualized? Oh, but don't blame me when I sexualize you. It's like, it's crazy how much things have changed since we were children. Because like, just off the top of my head, thinking about like when I was a kid, me and my siblings used to be able to like go into the neighborhood. We didn't need any parental supervision. Like could just go out, we'd play on our bikes and not just like in the cul-de-sac, like Mm -hmm. also like into like a couple blocks down, a couple, you know, we'd circle around, we'd go down to the school, you know, we'd play on the school playground. You know, we would do whatever we wanted to, not whatever, but you know, we'd... we'd be within like a couple of blocks of the house and it like wasn't a big deal. And mom and dad weren't worried about our safety because they knew like, okay, it was a safe neighborhood. Everything was fine. But now I feel like even if you live in a quote unquote safe neighborhood, it's like, I don't know people that really let their kids play out like that anymore. You know, what does that show? It's like, you know, the way that our parents could trust us. The fear in parents. Exactly. It shows the fear. And why is that there? It's there because of- I think parents are very well aware of like, you know, how threatening the world is to their children. The other thing that's interesting about this movie is that it's not just about, you know, the social implications um, and this kind of agenda of, I don't know, getting society more- open to the idea of like pedophilia i don't really know i don't really know what the agenda for this was so there's that side of it but then the other side is the religious side let's talk about that for a second so it's interesting i mean i kind of touched on this a little bit earlier when i said like you know when they're portraying muslim women in these movies the narrative is that they're oppressed they're so oppressed and they need to be freed or something You know what I mean? And they do the exact same thing in this movie as well, right? Because she's a, I think she's Somalian. Her parents are Muslims and and she's kind of like making it seem like leaving the religion or like rebelling against her parents is like... Freedom. Yeah. It's like freedom. It makes her so happy. That narrative of like, you know, well, my religious strict parents don't want me having fun. You know, that kind of thing. Interesting that a French director decided to, you know, play out that narrative. I'm not too surprised. Yeah, a non-Muslim, a non-Muslim French director. A non-Muslim French director, you know, what do you know? A little girl decides to take off her job. But actually, going back, I'm, I've am i told you my thoughts about starting hijab too early anyways. I have a problem with that. But this, but this but is this different. Isn't yeah, hijab. this isn't it's, about the hijab. Yeah, this isn't about the hijab. But that overall thing that somehow taking it off is liberating and, you know, you're, you've become a free woman... But at the same time, when I don't know what was going through this director's head. So there's a bit of a, um, a an, I don't want to say a dichotomy. There's a contradiction here. So you're telling me that you decided to put a narrative in the movie where a, mo- a young Muslim girl takes off the hijab in order to achieve freedom because she feels trapped w- in her Muslim household. Yet you also went on record saying, no, I made this movie because um, I'm trying to bring light to the issue that so many young girls are being entrapped into this self-sexualization of the self-sexualization culture and media perpetuating it and all of these things. So I was like, so she left one entrapment for another? Is that what your argument is? That's a really good point. Yeah. <laughs> so. that's, a, that's, that's a really, really, really good point. Like, bravo, dude. <laughs> <laughs> no, so I mean, it is a great point. And it's interesting that I wouldn't necessarily say that the, the concept of the... Actually, for me, I think it's... 
it's for me I'm less infuriated with that concept of like taking off hijab because you mentioned like you did mention before it's like you know having it on too young I mean that there could be positive implications there could be negative implications so it's like I'm a less I'm less upset about the hijab part of it I'm more upset about the rebellious uh part of it where she is you know, super rebellious against her parents and stuff, being disrespectful to like elders and things like that. It's like you're teaching. Okay. I remember when I was a teenager, not even a teenager, like a kid, like this age, like 10, 11, 12, you know, who was really famous? Um, The, the Olsen twins. Right. And I totally loved them. Like I looked up to them. Like, I mean, I read all their books. I watched all their movies. Like, you know, so it's like when you have someone your age who is in that industry and like they're coming out with films and this and that it's like you look up to them and you think that what they're doing is super cool and you want to be just like them so now you think about all of the young girls who probably end up watching this stuff on netflix because not every child has a parent sitting next to them 24 7 so there are plenty of probably plenty of scenarios right where a kid saw this movie or a young girl saw this movie she saw other girls on the cover and was like "Ooh, i want to watch this and mom or dad wasn't around they were maybe in the other room doing work or what cooking or whatever and they play it and they watch it and parents don't even have any idea that their child is watching this crazy like super sexualized super inappropriate movie and but even if they did kind of watch and come in for a second Uh, and weren't really paying attention they would see on the tv a bunch of girls young girls so they wouldn't think anything of it right unless they actually stuck around for like a long duration to understand the plot of the movie so or certain scenes or whatever but my point is is that um so you've got these girls who are looking up to these girls in the movie and then of course they're going to be copying a lot of the things that they do. So in the movie, when these girls are being disrespectful right. to the adults and, and and rebellious and this and that, it's like they've basically just – they've given that um, – you know, they're like being a role model for, for young girls that have watched these this movie. Do you understand what I'm saying? So this director, I mean, she's had the audacity to throw in so many controversial things into this movie. Obviously, the fr- and the biggest one is, is, is the sexualization. But then the second one is, you know, the fact that the, you know, these young girls are going behind their parents' backs, doing things that they shouldn't be doing. They're being disrespectful to adults. They're obviously the concept of the religion, right? Going against the religion, breaking quote unquote free or something the hijab so many things she's thrown in so many unbelievably disrespectful con concepts into this film and the fact that people across the world were shouting out at the top of their lungs like this is not appropriate this needs to be taken down and netflix hasn't come out and done or said anything about it i mean honestly i i think the director should be ashamed of what she's made i mean she seems really proud of it this was her debut as a director so this is the first movie she's come out with um and i mean if you've seen some of her interview she's super happy about it she's so pleased that netflix took it on she i don't know if she got her funding from netflix or not i have no idea um but if it was a netflix original then then it's possible that she got her funding from them which makes it even worse um because that means that netflix was aware of the script they were aware of everything and they funded it which puts them into the same basket of being just as messed up no for sure that's a really good point and you know what else kind of concerns me you know it's coming from all sides right Uh, Men already do it to women because society programs men to treat women this way. And it starts at a very young age. We talked about it last episode, like saying things to your boys like, hey, you can go out, but then you restrict your little girl and say you can't be out after 9 p.m. type of thing. But anyways, we're already programming young boys to objectify girls, right? 
And then the media is programming girls to objectify themselves, you know, become much more sexualized at a younger age. There's also um, parents who were bystanders in the situation. And then the girls doing it themselves, because ultimately you grow up and you have to take ownership. While no one will blame you when you are a little girl, at some point you you grow up, right? And at that point, I'm going to start blaming you. So my thing is, is I see this from two ways. We talk about it enough where we raise, where I would want to raise a daughter in this world to be intelligent and, you know, to invest her values in some things Mm -hmm. that are much more worthwhile than sexualizing herself. And then if I had a son, I would teach him not to sexualize girls. And when it comes to raising a son, I would imagine it's you're making it that much more harder if he's going to school with girls who are behaving like this. You're making my parenting even more difficult than it already is. And if I was the mother of a daughter, how do I prevent my little girl from becoming friends with these type of girls at school? So how do you stop that when stuff like this is on mm-hmm. TV? You you bring up a really good point. I, and, and to be honest with you, actually, I like that you brought up how it affects the boys too. If you're trying to teach your boys to be respectful to women, mm-hmm. but women are running around. And I'm not even talking about women. I'm talking about like teenagers, you know, like talking about high schoolers. Yeah, preteens. Yeah. Because it's an, it's an impressionable age, right? Like exactly absolutely and so it's like in his high school all of these girls are rampantly shaming themselves through this kind of sexualization you know it actually makes it harder for the boys i never even actually thought about it from that perspective definitely the perspective of you know boys should be respecting women regardless and i agree with that but if it's being thrown in their face constantly i can't even imagine how difficult that would be girls themselves are training these boys i don't have to respect you because you don't even respect your my mind is blown by that perspective i've never thought of it that way (laughs) seriously i've never now that i'm thinking about it, it's like think about instagram you see these chicks they post pictures of you know wearing super tight clothes or barely any clothes they've got makeup on this that and the other and boys are commenting on them and then you've got girls coming in being like oh you know have some respect it's like she's not even respecting herself how can she expect other people to respect her Right. And here's the thing. I I just want to make this clear is that the argument here isn't, you know, uh, what women should be allowed to wear. Right. Sexualization has little to do with an adult woman wearing whatever she wants. It has to do with young girls. And it's not just what you wear. It's how you behave. It's the whole package. You know what I mean? So I want to make that clear distinction. It's not just wearing provocative clothing. You can wear you know, clothing that's exposing, but it's not provocative. That also exists. Right, right. When the clothing is intentionally provocative to draw attention right. for you to be sexualized, right. that's a different realm. And when you're underage and you're doing that and you're still a yeah. child, like yeah. you're not you're not even of the age where you could even be engaging right. in any type of intimacy with anybody and you're doing that, that's concerning. So that's what the argument here is. So I'm saying from the perspective, if I was the mom of a daughter, I don't know how I can prevent my little girl from being introduced to that. Right. If I was the mom of a son, I don't know how far my parenting will go for my son of, you know, how to respect women if he's being introduced to girls like that. You brought up a really good point that I think parents have to think long and hard about. It's interesting. 
that society is making it so hard for us as parents, you know, because I tell you right now, this is not going to be the last one. Now that this agenda has started, now there's going to be a domino effect of movies like this. And and unfortunately, people will be out crying about it and no one's going to do anything and Netflix won't do anything. And it started. And so, you know, you have to realize that this will probably be the norm. Slowly, slowly, it'll be the norm. 10 years ago, there was never, you never saw any um, homosexual couples in like TV shows or movies or anything, right? And it was like a very slow thing. It was like, you know, okay, maybe one show had one lesbian couple or something and it was like the talk of the town like every oh my god have you seen this show like there's a lesbian couple on it you know and but then slowly every single show that you watch has either a gay or a lesbian couple and that's even in children's shows 10 years ago you would never see that on and now you see it on every every show that like exists there's something just to clarify like we're not focusing on you know the homosexuality being right or wrong. We're just talking about how it became normalized. It's been normalized. Over the course of the past 10 to 15 years, it has been normalized and now it is normal and it's all over um, TV and, and and movies and all of this stuff. So this is exactly where we're starting. We're starting with this movie. It's called Cuties, right? They started with this and in 10 years from now, it's going to be normal. It's going to be normal for little girls to be in like sexually explicit scenes of movies and-, and Pedophilia and, you know, um, the Lolita effect and all of these things becoming normalized. I hope I'm wrong. Inshallah, I'm wrong because I'm completely against it. I can't even imagine how society has allowed things to like evolve to this point. But that's what I think. That's my my prediction based on how society has been going. And my problem is, is that I don't want in children's shows any type of kissing. I don't want making out. I don't want anybody marrying anybody. It's just I don't want that. I just want children's shows to be about kid things you know like a day at the park or you know like uh, you know the powerpuff girls fighting off what's that creature's Mm -hmm. name what's his name mojo i have no idea (laughs) i never watched powerpuff girls i did (laughs) but i I guarantee you if you have a seven-year-old they're not thinking about these things so for you to put any of this stuff in tv shows okay your child is not thinking about relationships and being yeah. all cutesy with whom. Like, they're not thinking about having yeah. a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a homosexual relationship. They're not thinking about any of these things. What they're thinking about is playing outside. It, you know, they have their make-believe imagination. They're right. not thinking about adult. And I, this is one objection that I do have with the West. Is that any time, whether it's straight, gay, pedophilia, what I don't care. Like, there is no reason for any of this stuff to be in children's TV shows, you know. And I remember when I was growing up, I, now that I look back at old TV shows, I see that it was subtly there. But um, still, it wasn't there to the brazen degree that we have it now. My little cousin, you know, he's still in high school. But I remember a couple of years ago, he was like watching a TV show on Cartoon Network. And they were talking about they were talking about consent on a like a Cartoon Network kids show. I was like, why are we talking about this? You know, this show is meant for like the demographic of like nine to 13 year olds. Mm -hmm. Why is this a discussion? I'll have that conversation with my child about consent at like, you know, age that is appropriate. Why is this being discussed here is what I had a problem with. Like, I want you 
teaching my child about children things, teach them about science, go watch, you know, Bill Nye, the science guy or Mr. Rogers, something like that. Right. They don't even know what that is. They don't even know <laughs> what that is. I said that the other day, like the magic, my, my son showed me, magic the, school bus. no, my son showed me the magic school bus Um, that, you know, on Netflix, they've like made it more, they've changed it. And also, um, what is it? Uh, Carmen San Diego. Like where in the world is Carmen San Diego? And um, they made like the I don't know they've changed them, but they're not the same. And I remember like the Carmen San Diego for anyone who watched that, I loved it. If you see it now, what they've turned it into, it's like more of like it's like less educational and more just entertainment. And I remember the Carmen San Diego show that I watched was purely educational. Mm-hmm. I mean, it gave you information about cities. It gave you information about the history of the cities. It gave you information about museums, uh, uh, art, all this, all sorts of things that we give you information on. And it, you were constantly just learning new things by watching that. It kept you engaged because it was like a mystery, right? And um, you had to kind of like figure things out and like, you know, whatever. But but they've completely dropped the educational side of it. And now it's just a, I don't know, mystery thing to follow. And then they've even incorporated, well, that's not the point. The point is, is that they've changed it. These amazing shows that we had that were educational, um, like the Magic School Bus or whatever, it's like they've changed them and they're way less educational. Right. And, you know, I remember there was an episode where they went into like one of the students' bodies and they were talking about the digestive system. Yeah. Do you remember? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I remember. So, but yeah, the shows aren't like that anymore. They're, you've taken the educational worth out of TV shows. Oh. And now you're yeah. just pushing social agendas. Like, I want it to be scientific. That's it. You know? And I don't want you to push social agendas. Leave that to the parents. I don't want TV shows raising my children. Unfortunately, that is not the world that we live in. It's like, as a parent, you're kind of stripped away as your rights of what is taught to your child and what's not taught to your child. And we can get into a number of things. I mean, there was recently, um, I'll I'll just, I won't delve into this um, because this is a completely different topic, but I'll just just touch on it to give an example. Um, But they've recently introduced into the curriculum in the United States and not just the United States, they've also recently introduced it into the curriculum in the UK as well, teaching children about, um, you know, like uh, the concept of like, it's okay to have feelings for the same sex and the concept of like, like gender fluid fluidity and the concept of um, uh, you know binary and all of these things, yeah. And so they're they've made it a part of the curriculum to teach children this stuff. I mean, whether you think that it's okay for your child to learn this stuff or not, I mean, I'm not going to get into that. But my point is, is that these are things that we should have a say in whether our child is learning this or not. You should still have complete rights over everything. You should have rights over, you know, when your child is learning about sexual education, how they're learning about it, what they're learning about, you know, all of these things. And it's like, it's being stripped away from us. There are a number of um, organizations who have been giving pushback on this, especially in the state of California. The Jewish community, the Christian community, as well as the Muslim community have been giving a lot of pushback on this for the Department of Education, saying that we want to be asked, like we want a permission form to come home that says, you know, okay, this is what is, you know, being taught. Do you want your child to participate in this? And I want to have the right to say yes or no. And the Department of Education declined that and said, no, um, we have full control, basically, which 
is crazy. They're trying to introduce this topic to children as young as like six years old. Isn't that crazy? Six, man. Six. That's too young. Fifth grade is even too young. I think that what that fifth grade is what, like nine years old or something? That is way too young. I mean, those topics, okay, if you want to argue that you want to teach them in high school, um, because maybe at the age of high school is when a lot of, I wouldn't say a lot, but some When the hormones people, start raging. Yeah, it's like the hormones are coming in. Like maybe some people are confused right. about, I don't know. But it's like, if you want to teach it at that age, I mean, maybe. But even then, still, there should be permission slips coming home and, and asking for permission as well. Right. But Good six point. is just, I mean, that's crazy. Six is insane. That's <laughs> insane. Is, I watched yeah. i watched on a YouTube, I mean, we're kind of getting off topic here, but I'll just state this. I watched on a YouTube, uh, not YouTube, I watched on Facebook. There was like this guy, he was dressed as a drag queen. So he had like the really heavy makeup, like the, you know, stiletto kicks and everything. And he was sitting in this classroom and these kids must have been like, they must have been like three years old. He's reading a book to them about how like, you know, it's okay to like, um, you know, it's okay to be confused about your sexuality. And then it's like, what? How can you be telling a three-year-old, the three-year-old doesn't understand any of the shit that you're saying to them. Like you are confusing them by teaching them this at this young of an age. Do you know what I mean? Right. And I think going back to the thing, it's just sex in general is what I have a problem with. Quit talking to children about it at such a young age is my problem. Right. Yeah. There's no need to walk into a room full of children talking about those things. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Because you're diverting their attention away from what their childhood should be like. Yeah, but why? The question is, is why are they trying to teach this stuff to kids so young? Like, why is it getting younger and younger and younger? Like, what is their purpose? Yeah, it's interesting how the age is getting younger and younger. Because for me, it was in fifth grade where I had that talk. I had that talk of like, you know... um, uh, if uh, these are what hormones are and this is what it might feel like when you see a boy and you know you'll get this fluttery feeling in your stomach and this is what the things that they were like teaching me and they were like you know and you'll notice as a girl your your back will start to narrow and your chest will form and all of these things that they were teaching me because they separated the boys from the girls right. and I'm just like sitting there like super confused and I'm just like okay great what's your point right. I'm like sitting there wanting to be the con wanting the conversation to be over and then i i remember talking about it with my fellow uh classmates who were girls and this is us children talking amongst each other and this is what the adults didn't realize is that all of us children felt super uncomfortable the entire time no, I mean, that's obvious. I mean, any so, adult, you think you act like the adults are so stupid. Like, obviously, they know that it's very uncomfortable for all of the kids involved. Right. And so um, I remember there was one of my friends. Or her name was a Rebecca. And she was just like, um, I really wish we didn't have that conversation. That's what she said to me. And we were like in fifth grade at the time. And she said that to me. And she, Why? And she was like, what, she was just like, I felt very uncomfortable. Like, and when they said, like, oh, you know, does anybody have any questions? No one had questions. Right. Right. And she said, we sacrificed a recess for this. <laughs> recess is what matters. Right. Genuinely, most children are not interested. It's just not. You're kind of forcing it upon them. I think if you're giving basic knowledge, because think about it, fifth grade is like nine. And some children do uh, start puberty at a very early age. I mean, I knew some girls that started at like 10 or 11. And um, 
you know, basic information because obviously girls, they need to know. They need to know. It was not general. I'll tell you that. That's what I think. I think basic information, you know, it's like the the concept of everything, the concept of, you know, periods, you know, how babies are made, things like that. I think that, I think that they should be taught at that age. I think I personally do. I I don't know about other people. I personally do. I think middle school is better to be honest. But this shouldn't be the the sole responsibility of the school. Like you as a parent should have already, or not already, but it's like you as a parent should be the sole um, teacher of this topic. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's like a lot of parents, especially it, like Middle Eastern parents or uh, mm-hmm. Desi parents, it's like they in their head, they're just like, okay, well, I'm never going to talk about that. And that's never going to come out of my mouth. And I'm going to hope that the child will figure <laughs> it out. And it's like, that's not fair. You know, like these are conversations that the child should be learning this from their parent directly first and foremost, and then maybe getting like a, you know, a, I don't know, like a refresher course or something from the school. Because if you teach it to them yourself, you can teach it in a way that you, first of all, the child's right. going to be more comfortable because they're talking to mom or dad. You know, it's not just going to be some stranger in a classroom full of other kids that are really uncomfortable. You know, it's like, so you can make the entire environment more comfortable, but additionally, you can teach it to them in a way that is like, appropriate from different angles you can talk to them about it from a religious aspect you can talk to them about it from you know a a just a like a biological aspect you can talk to it them from an ethical aspect right a hygienical aspect you can talk to them about it in so many different ways and you're you're in control you're in control of what they're learning and how they're learning it whereas if if you rely on the school to teach them you have no idea what the hell the school is teaching them and how and they sure as these kids are not going to come home and be like oh mom guess what i learned today day in school like that's not gonna happen so they're you're not ever gonna be informed of what was just put into your child's head right you can choose to be proactive and be in 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 charge before the school gets to that you know like you can be in charge or you can allow society to be in charge it's up to you Mm -hmm. that's a good point do you have any advice for other parents out there that are concerned about raising daughters or sons in a world that's kind of perpetuating the sexualization of young girls just like this movie cuties being proactive in your role as a parent is the most important thing and that's not to say that you know it's like i get it it's like you know parents they they have jobs they have responsibilities they're busy they have this they have that but what's really important is to take that time out of your life to develop that relationship with your child and it doesn't take much have conversations with your children in order for for them to develop a good relationship with you in order for them to feel comfortable talking to you and many sheikhs and many scholars have done lectures on this the importance of developing a good relationship with your child so that when they are at an age where they're being confronted by these things in society right um they feel comfortable enough with you to be able to come to you and talk to you about it and get your advice on it that's number one in in parenting that's the only way that you're going to be able to know what's going on in your child's life um and to be able to guide them through the difficulty of it so maybe if you could pivot off of that what happens when you hand your child a phone for the first time or they make a social media account something like that i think being active on it so you know maybe even like being friends with them on social media um so that you know what they're up to and who they're talking to knowing who their friends are and maybe even being friends with their parents the more involved you are the more that your child will feel like you are involved and 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 you know it's like okay i'll just give you an example right it's like if you know all of your kids friends right 
then if something happens with one of those friends, they'll feel a little bit more comfortable talking to you about it because you actually know that person, right? You know that person, you know their parents, you know the situation. So it's like, it's a little bit easier for them to talk to you about. Now, if you don't know any of these people, like if you don't know this friend, if you don't know their parents, you don't know anything about any of them ever, do you really think that your child is going to feel comfortable coming up to you and, and just being like, okay, well, I have this one friend. You know, if involvement is the biggest thing, it being involved and being proactive in, in what's going on in your child's life, if that makes any sense. And making your child feel comfortable. I mean, if you're going to, if your kid messes up, if he makes a bad choice, if he makes a bad decision, if he, if he does something that's going to make you angry, you know, you can't blow up over everything because if you do, then you're going to make your child feel like uh, if they come to you for anything, you're just going to scream and shout and and go crazy and not listen to them and they'll be grounded and this, that, and the other. So they're actually going to be less likely to talk to you about the things that are going on in their life because they'll be afraid of your reaction. So, you know, you need to pick and choose what's what's worth uh, really getting upset about. And even then, it's much more effective. This isn't even just for kids. This is for adults as well. When you start yelling at someone, regardless of their age, you let's say you get into a fight with someone, even if it's a friend, right? Or a sibling or whatever, the moment that you start raising your voice, their brain shuts off. They are not listening to you. They, I mean, maybe they're listening to you, but they're not internalizing what you're saying. If anything, they're actually just waiting either for the conversation to end or to come to give you a answer to defend themselves, if, if that makes any sense. So, so in any type of confrontational kind of, I wouldn't even say confrontational thing, I would say in any type of situation where, you know, you're maybe upset or disappointed, it make shouting and yelling like the last last resort, you know, it's like you should be having a calm conversation with them because they're going to be internalizing what you're saying if you're having a calm conversation as opposed to if you're yelling. Um, and and if you're yelling, it's, it's not going to get anyone anywhere. The last thing I want to say before we close this off is the with the movie, with the, with the movie Cuties. I think it's important to just, I'm going to focus in on daughters, being aware of what is in your daughter's life. It's like, who are the role models that she's following on social media? Who are the people that she's looking up to? And what, what are these people? I mean, like, for example, it's like, okay, if, if you've got, if your daughter is following some celebrity that is, it is regularly posting provocative photos of herself... I'll just give you an example because this is a popular one. Um, if you notice that your daughter is following somebody like Kylie Jenner, and my opinion on her is irrelevant, but someone like that who who completely changed her entire look, right? This is somebody who did um, at a very young age. I mean, she's young. Outward appearance was the most important thing to her that she changed everything about her. She changed, you know, she's gotten surgery on her body. She's gotten surgery on her face, on her lips, all, all these things. Um, what kind of impact do you think that that's going to have on your daughter um, if that's the kind of role model that she has? She's probably going to start thinking of herself in a negative light, you know, th- focusing on uh, her flaws. She's going to start thinking about the things that she should cosmetically change about herself. So it's like, that's just an example. Like take a look at who your children are looking up to. And that's going to give you a really good idea of where they are at mentally. You know, the prophet said, actually, I don't know if it, I don't think it was the prophet. I think it was Abu Bakr. I'm not sure. Don't quote me on this. But one of them said, um, if you want to understand someone, take a look at their five closest friends, right? So if you want to understand where your child is at psychologically, mentally, whatever, um, take a look at not only their friends, obviously, that's an obvious one. But what I think is also really important is take with with social media um, being a huge part of our children's lives nowadays, take a look at their social media accounts, take a look at the people that they follow, take a look at the role models that they have, and, and the things that obviously they're commenting. I mean, 
if you've got a, a boy that is, you know, uh, putting comments on like females photos that are a little inappropriate, I mean, stop it, stop it while you have the chance, you know, try to help him understand that these things are just not appropriate, you know, help to teach it to them at a younger age and get them to find role models that matter. I mean, dude, get her to stop following the Kardashians and get her to start following people like um, uh, the, uh, what's her name? Alexander. Al- Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez. Yeah. Yes. You know, dude, get, I love get them. I love her too. I think she's amazing. Get them to start following people that are making positive changes in society. And if you can get your children to find those kinds of role models, it's going to change their life. It's going to be a positive impact for them. They're going to get a a boost of self-confidence in a way that matters. That's my, that's my words of wisdom for this episode. Um, Well, that is some sound wisdom. So next week, we're going to be talking about how to identify red flags when you're on the dating scene, whether it's online or, you know, if you're doing the old fashioned in-person dating, Um, you know, for example, is a guy flexing his uh, biceps in a gym rat mirror picture? Is that a red flag? I don't know. So find out next week. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Find out. Find out. Wait till next episode and find out. (laughs) Just to clarify, this isn't about like, you know, we're not promoting dating around. Actually, it's more or less like, you know, if you're you're searching for a suitor. (laughs) Um, So thank you for joining us. Stay happy and healthy. As-salamu alaykum. Wa alaykum as-salam.